In today's episode, we're diving deep into a topic that's crucial for the growth of any business, and that's capacity. We've all been there juggling tasks, wearing multiple hats, and feeling the pressure to take action while not actually having the space to do. So today, we're going to be unwrapping the enigma that is capacity and exploring why so many business owners find it challenging. And most importantly, we're going to be equipping you with practical solutions that open the doors to sustainable growth. And honestly, Jess, this is truly your zone of genius. And this episode was inspired by you. So what brought this up for you? Yeah, so capacity has been on my brain lately, mainly because of frustration, because I work with a multitude of clients as an integrator. So basically, my job is to take their big ideas and help them bring them to life through project planning and tech integration and whatever it takes. And the problem that I keep seeing my clients bump up against or and even I bump up against myself is putting a goal on your list or having a bunch of ideas and then struggling to execute. And then when you struggle to execute and you can't get it done and it's quarter three and the goal that you put on your list in January is still sitting there. Guilty. You start to to kind of beat yourself up. You're like looking at yourself and you're like, what is wrong with me? Like, I know this has happened to me before. Rachel just said guilty. Like it literally happens to everyone. And there is a multitude of different reasons. One of this is we're like inundated with new ideas, one, on the internet all the time. A scroll through Instagram can leave me with 20 new ideas that I think I want to implement. They call that like shiny objects, shiny object syndrome in my business or in my email. And this is actually what expired this and another post about, are you making business hard by doing your backwards? There's so much pressure online to act fast. Don't miss out. Do it now. Take the leap. Don't wait. You're ready now. That whole like, if you build it, they will come mentality where I feel like sometimes when I get on discovery calls with new clients, I'm like the lone soldier and be like, that is not how it works. So like, I literally, and we were just laughing about this before we started recording, where I literally got an email in my inbox and it was like, less than 500 people on your list. Don't wait until launch your group program. And I'm like, you should. <laughs> Maybe you should, right? Because we like we know what industry standards are. You've got 500 people on your email list. Like, how many people are going to convert? Maybe five at the most. And it depends on the cost of your program. If that's fine, if you're launching a huge growth program that's going to take you six months to build out, and you've only got 500 people on your email list, that you should definitely wait. Yeah. But if you make a higher, if you're launching like a higher ticket service or something, then that should wait. So I feel like the such a blanket statement. Yeah, there's so much nuance in launching. And I think that does not get considered when you're being blasted with these marketing messages of, oh, you can make $100,000 with 500 people on your list. Some people sure maybe have, but there's so much nuance in it. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's about with everything in business, taking a step back and like really realizing, is this right for me in this moment? And I feel like capacity is something that doesn't get discussed enough when it's something that we bump up against because as small business owners, as solopreneurs, a lot of the times we are executing by ourselves, but we are comparing ourselves or trying to emulate these 
I don't know what we want to call them, celebrity entrepreneurs or people that are in the online space that are bigger than us that literally have teams of 10, 20 people. And they're selling us their strategies on how they had a seven-figure launch, but not revealing or highlighting the fact that it took 20 people to make that $10,000 ad strategy yeah. <laughs> make that come to life. So I think that's where when it's important when you're growing your business to really look at your capacity and give yourself the space and the grace to grow it gradually. Yeah, I think there's a there's so much to speak about with the one honoring the business season that you're in and not feeling the FOMO of all of the marketing messages that you're inundated with and really being able to say, this is a build season for me or this is a push season for me or whatever that looks like and really being able to say and actually like being truthful with yourself because there are so many times where I've invested in things that I'm like, wow, if I would have waited a year, I would have been in such a better place and I would have actually implemented. I would have actually taken the action to do that. I was victim to the, you got to do this now. I'm going to increase the pricing and all of those like bro marketing tactics of them being like, this program's going away and that's fine. If it's going away, then there'll be another program. But are you ready to absorb it in the space that you're at now? I think is really important from a sustainability standpoint and allowing these things to actually like marinate for you. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I've been going back to that's from my project management background is the project management triangle. And I don't have a cool little graphic, but I wish I did. But basically, there are four aspects to get any project completed. There's the scope, there is the time, and then there is the budget. And scope and time are related, and then scope and budget are related. So if you increase your scope, you're by default going to have to increase the budget, whether it be the people that you allocate or you're going to have to increase the time. And there is not really any way around that. We'll share a wild card later. But also, so it's like looking at the, so what I've been doing is like looking at the sheer scope of how much you're taking on and you're committed to at the moment and realizing, okay, I want to do something else, but do I have the budget to do it? And do I have the time to do it? And if the answer is no, then you've got to have, to have your scope there. And that's where you can go back. And I'm going to share some ways about like how you can refine your scope, make more space for growth. But that's where you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and like figure out like, how am I going to get that space for time and growth? Yeah, you literally just took us to school. We'll make a cool little graphic and make sure it makes posts cool it around. It's not <laughs> um, scope is like what you're committing to. And I feel like a lot of small business owners take on so much without even realizing it. And this is why I love a project management tool. Okay, I have an idea. And then they like jump into action. But it's okay, take that idea, make it a project in your project management tool. Give it a deadline because I feel like that's another pitfall that people fall into is we're just going to do this project, but we're not going to set a date for it to be done. No, give it a launch date of like when this needs to get done. And once you get start getting your start date and your launch dates or finish date for every single thing that you have on your do list, you'll be able to look up your Gantt chart or your timeline and be like, oh my God, I have eight different projects going on right now. No wonder 
I'm getting to Friday every week and my to-do list is 15 Mm -hmm. pages long. So then you're able to, once you have that awareness, step back and go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, what do I need to prioritize at this time? Do it with your client work too, because I know like, Rachel, you're like me, your client work ebbs and flows, right? So if you're Mm -hmm. like, start end date, start end date, and you see all your clients are ending in August, which happens to me a lot. Oh, I have all of August to be able to work on my business and do all of these projects and not try to do all of my projects while I'm trying to do all of my clients' projects. I'll be able to push those back and do a sprint in August and get everything re okay instead of beating myself up January through July about not being able to get to things that I want to do in my business because I don't have the time and space to do it. But in August, I'll be there. That's the beauty of planning. It's so funny that you say this due date thing because my former project manager, oh my gosh, if she listens to this, she would sit on my on our calls with me and be like, why do none of these have due dates? And I'm like, it feels less pressury if I don't put a due date. But then what happens is they don't actually get done. And they just sit there in limbo in my project management space. And yeah, guilty again. This is, I feel like I'm, a lot of creative and creative or visionaries have a hard, they struggle with putting those due dates on there because they feel like it's going to box them in and it's going to feel like more pressure. So really put your due date, but you're the boss ultimately. So if you need to like reprioritize, Push that due date, that sort of thing for yourself. But like not having a due date, one, it's just going to extend out forever, like you said, and never actually get done. And what's that? I don't even, I shouldn't know this, like project me. What's that like law? Is it Murphy's law? It might not be Murphy's law. (laughs) Like a task takes up the amount of time that you give it where it like will Uh expand that. So if you're not putting any constraints around it, then Rachel's Googling to find the right thing. If you're not putting any constraints around when a project starts and ends, it will never get finished. And like I said, your project manager is not alone because every single one of my clients, that is like the number one thing. I'm like, we've got to put a due date on these things. We'll get things done so much faster. And then embracing like that sprint system, I think is important, especially when you're a small team or still entrepreneur, because you've got five projects that you're jumping back and forth from. You're not going to get effective or efficient unless you're, you're focusing on the other. Yeah. So quick note, Murphy's Law is anything that can go wrong <laughs> will go wrong. Murphy's Law. There is another law of code. And I've heard it before and they say it all the time, but it, and it is true because especially if you have ADHD, like I can, or in a healthy dose of perfectionism, those are like a killer. If you don't put time frames on your, your, I was just talking to you about my blog post, how they can be, I could literally write blog, like books on my blog post. Here goes my camera. Um, <laughs> I can literally write books for my blog post, but that's because I wasn't giving myself any constraints, which constraints can be healthy. It's not about, especially if you have perfectionism, it's not about putting out the best product. It's like just getting something out there in the time and space that you have to do it. And then you can always go back and refine because there's always room for improvement. We're always going to see opportunity in our business and that's a good thing. But yeah. it's not a thing if you're not giving yourself constraints. Yeah. Um, I think there's um, one capacity, like level of things that I think new business owners will pass by this very ridiculous boundary is, and I'm actually in 
a space right now where I have to make a decision that is either for the growth of my business or taking on more clients for the growth of my revenue. And it's very fascinating because when I first started, I was just like taking clients and yeah. And I had to, now I'm in a place where I have three retainer clients that are like, I'm ready to sign, but I'm over here trying to launch something that I am a very, I'm very aware it's going to take a significant amount of my time. But like from default, I'm like, I'm a retainer service-based business. Like I should be taking these, but this could be the future of my business as well. So I think there's a lot of like reflection and growth that happens with honoring your capacity that when you're first starting out, that fear and that FOMO is real. And like you just become a little bit more like stern with your boundaries as you grow in your business. And I'm still feeling it now where I'm like, this would be really nice to have these three clients. So I think that's another really important thing from a capacity standpoint is to like, truly honor the boundary that is there and it may not happen right away you can learn that lesson that's a lot especially with one-on-one clients to go into products is that you're gonna have to slow down to speed up oh bitty like dip in revenue right by not taking on those retainer clients or those extra clients that feel like I'm doing the same thing right now, or this has been my like lightest client work month in a while, but mm-hmm. I've redone my newsletter, redone my homepage. Like I needed to take that pause so that I can slow yeah. down. And as anxiety producing as it is, because it's my lowest revenue month in probably a year, it's, I have to keep reminding myself it's intentional because I can feel that it's going to catapult right after this, but it's yes. like, you're like, Breathe in so you can, oh, look at those. <laughs> so you can breathe in so you can expand. On our AI oh, wow. episode, we're going to have to literally stitch in clips of Jess's camera going whack every single time that she raises her hand. And I talk with my hand a lot. That's why I can't have an AI camera because yeah. it would be like, there's an AI camera that follows me around the room. I mean, kids, you're not. I am going to put these up on YouTube um, eventually. So, yeah, All right. So back on practice. You do have two choices, right? You have, there are two choices always. And that's why, like, when I'm going to talk about expanding capacity, I'm getting choices. So right now, Rachel has a choice to slow down to speed up or embrace the short-term squeeze for long-term eat. And it's just like, what do you want to do? And that is like where you're going to know that you're going to be working a lot. You're going to be working a lot more hours to get things done right now. I did this when I was leaving corporate. Like I worked a 40-hour corporate job and had to retain a client until I could get my third one to jump off. That meant waking up at four o'clock every in the morning, every morning, doing my like my work, my my business work, going to an eight-hour shift. I don't do night, go home and go to sleep. I like to wake up early and working almost every I would thankfully I had the flexibility in my job where I could work on Sundays at my other job. I would work on every Sunday for the whole year. So that I could take off Wednesday during the week to work on my business. And that's, so there's two options, slow down the speed yeah. up or short-term squeeze for long-term ease. The, those are the and two if ways you don't to go. pick one, you're hitting the wall of burnout. That's real. Yeah. And it's very much avoidable if you are very real with yourself and you don't let that fear what you had said, like where the lowest revenue is happening right now as far as this month, but it's so intentional and it's planned. And if you trust the systems in your business, which you do, 
that it will pick back up in that next month. You'll be so grateful that you built the system around your newsletter, around your private podcast, like all of these different layers of it. It's intention that makes the difference of if you're blasting straight into that wall of burnout or if you're being strategic with how you spend your time because it's the seasons of your business that you have to honor. And it's so important because yikes, burnout ain't fun. Yeah. So another, I guess, issue or roadblock I see that come up with capacity, and we touched on it a little bit, but I want to dive deep into it because I went and mentioned this to Rachel. She was like, oh, and, and I'll see my clients or even myself, but a strategy or a course from a online entrepreneur who's probably been in the business longer than us, has mm-hmm. a bigger team than us, has therefore has more capacity than us. And burn themselves out trying to implement that strategy word for word. Yeah. 100%. Yes. I think that's like when someone has created this like success for launching and they're like, oh, steal my plan. It's one of the things that I always tell people. I'm like, if Google or if Apple or Nike or whoever were going to give you this is step by step what I did with the business to grow it. I don't know the owners of all of them, but whatever. If they all gave you their roadmaps for massive success of how they've reached it, you still won't be able to achieve it. It doesn't matter if they gave you detail by detail. There is so much that comes into it, like how many people on their team, how much they spend on earn, how big is their audience, like all of the various levels of it. It's very easy to get consumed in all I need is the plan. No, you need way more than just the plan. And I've done it before. Like this is no shame to anybody that's bought that. Oh, if only I had the understanding or if only I had the roadmap. There's so many things like I bought one from a launch person thinking like, oh, that's all I need. And it'll make my client strategies better. It'll make my strategies better. I went to implement it on my own, bailed halfway. I was like, I am my energy is not right. And I can't do this. And it doesn't take into consideration that person's morning routine, that person's mental health. Like, it's just nuts because people will literally just, oh, this is my strategy. You take it. And yeah, I have had the blessing of being able to take a variety of different big courses that I that are out of my price range, thankfully for my clients who want to implement and once I get into some of these bigger ones, and I'm not going to call them out because I don't want to get canceled, but once I get into some of these bigger programs, there are like hundred, like hundreds of lessons in each of these. And it's like, it takes a full-time person just to take in all of these lessons. Not to mention, if you're going to implement a five-part launch strategy with a team of two, like it's not going to happen, especially on their timeline. Maybe you can, but give yourself, that's when we come back to the project management timeline, if your scope is increasing, give yourself the grace of a longer timeline if you don't have the budget that they do to invest in that. And that's how you get around this capacity issue if you truly did want to implement or shorten the scope. Just pull out the tiny little nuggets of information that 
you know, vibe with you and are easy for you, feasible for you to execute and do those instead. But trying to take the course and implement it like word for word when you don't have the same budget, when you don't have the same timeline or the same foundation that person has, it's just a recipe for burnout. Yeah. And I notice a lot of business owners, I did it myself, and this is why we're being very honest and open about it, is that skipping through like the foundational stuff and literally just being like, oh, if if I buy this course, I'll have all of the answers and you don't have the audience that's engaged enough. You don't have the SOPs that help you go through each process seamlessly without any kind of like gaps or handing it off before you hire. And there's so many levels of foundations that kind of help you help yourself when you're taking these next steps or implementing or whatever that is. And like really being honest about if you audit your business, do you have (laughs) insights and clarity of what's going to essentially hold you back to expanding your scope or expanding your capacity and all of that. Yeah. So I want to get into some ways because I know we are probably a lot of entrepreneurs, freelancers. And if you got into this, like it or not, like I call myself an integrator, but I'm definitely a visionary too. Like I, when I score in both. So I know that we've got a ton of ideas to implement and we may be at capacity. So how do we get around the project management triangle and how do we like what's the cheat code of it and that is innovation and optimization so once you start with giving you just a couple of ideas on what how to get around that so starting from the first option you have is to optimize is to decrease your scope and i think like everything this starts with awareness of how just how long things are taking for you and how much you have on your plate so that's where things like Using a project management tool to track how many balls you have up in the air can help. And tracking your time, which especially if you work on packages, you may not be tracking your time as much. I have tried and I have failed, but I think when I'm very aware of like when I launched a new VIP day or it's not new anymore, but when I launched it, I tracked everything. So how long each step took. So that my beta pricing can be justified or my next level pricing can be justified. But when I tell you as someone who struggles as, I wouldn't say struggles, as someone who thrives as a neurodivergent person, time tracking is so hard for me. I've used so many different tools. I'm literally over here taking notes as you talk through this because I'm like, please help me. So time tracking is something like when I'm on it, it's nothing that like, when I'm on it, it helps me so much to bring that awareness. And even if I'm not using my time tracker every day, just going back at the end of the day and like putting, because I do provide just for myself, I to provide my clients with how the hours got spent and that breakdown. And one that can want to open your eyes, like how much time is stuff actually taking you so that you price yourself appropriately. I was just having yeah. this conversation with a client the other day. I'm like, how much, I know you get in a call, but like, how long does it take you to prepare? for the call. What do you, you know, how long does it take you to provide the deliverables after the call? All of those things need to be accounted for your pricing. And if you're not tracking your time that you don't know, and you're losing out basically because you're not charging as much as you should be. 
So tracking your time, you've probably tried tools. I love team metric. It's free and it integrates with Notion. So like when I open up a task with Notion, I could hit start timer and it talks to team metric else. Mm-hmm. It's start tracking. That's what I use. I can also use it the invoice. I do still charge hourly for some clients. So I can also use it the invoice. So that one I've been using since January. And like I said, it's progress, not perfection. Do I do it every week? No. But I do notice the weeks that I do it, I'm a lot more productive because I'm yeah. on the clock and a lot more planned. So it's just about building a habit, everything. The second and a new Rachel's a data girly, so she's going to love this, is using data to identify like where you're getting ROI. I'm going to let you yeah. spiel on that one, Rach. Oh my gosh. I think this is... If you're not looking at your data, like you're doing yourself such a disservice in your business and your marketing in everything. It's really funny because if you have that data for time tracking, I've done this with one of my other offers before. And I realized I was literally charging essentially like a $10 an hour rate for a service that was delivering so much value. And that's when I made the decision that I needed to increase my prices just from my own sanity, but also just because I cannot justify these people who pay me retainers for all of these other clients that are getting this $10 rate. It's crazy. Yes, making sure that your data is there, but also like you can make such better decisions and like impact in your business when you are looking at your data. Like, I think there was a, um, Jess, I think you actually shared this with me many moons ago, is a a calculator of like how much come up from a conversion standpoint per launch that you needed. I started using that for like my clients to be like, all right, let's set some smart goals. Their light eyes would light up when they started seeing all of their data in one place. I'm like, all right, you need a 5% conversion from here. That means you need this many eyeballs and this. And it made launching so much more realistic than this kind of idea of all I need to do is talk about my offer and I'm going to make $30,000. And no, if you have the data to back it up, like you have just so much more of a grounded effort in what's actually going to happen. Yeah. 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 And what else was going to something else came up? Oh, I was going to talk about one of my new favorite magic tricks right now. And it's free is using Google Analytics traffic insights to be able to see the traffic coming and what pages it's landing on. And one of the shifts, email Rachel will be excited that I've been making is I'm able to see what blog posts or articles are getting the most traffic and put opt-ins that are strategically placed on those opt-ins. And I it's increased, I think, one of my clients by like a hundred percent this month. Or opt-in I number love that. by putting those on there. So it didn't it didn't cost the client any more budget, any more time than other than me just like popping it on there to be able to see, okay, let's take advantage of what we have working for us right now. We were also able to use I that like- information that she had a course that she was about to retire, but we realized all of this traffic was coming to articles related to PCOS. She was retiring her course about PCOS. And we're like, hold up. We've Maybe got we free traffic coming. The only reason it's not converting right now is because there's no opt-in on this page. It's like sometimes when you get stuck in that do, if you don't stop and look at the data, you could be like recreating and creating things and 
just adding more scope when you don't need to. You can just work smarter than harder. Where they say that 80-20 rule, yeah. utilize that so that you get more done with less. Yeah, I just made a note. We're going to do a whole episode on just us geeking out about data. I feel like the people that get it will get it. And I am obsessed with just nerding out about all the things that we can do. Because don't let me get into Google Analytics because I will have my the time of my life in there. <laughs> yes. And then the last thing around scope and kind of touch on this is once you track your time, being able to do, you know, you'll know what tasks take to complete and then you can automate what you repeat. So we know we are, we all probably have or should have onboarding automations and offboarding automations, but you can take that a step further into your offers and trainings, or maybe you're having to repeat yourself on different calls a lot. Uh, you mm -hmm. can create recordings of those and deliver those. So you're not having to spend as much time on client educating. I have a lot of my dietitians do this, where a lot of their one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with their clients are around education and they just need a short little like check-in. A lot of what they're doing is educating and they're repeating the same thing to client one, client three. So they're able to refine their offer and be like, oh, I'm repeating this training with every single client. Let me report it, pop it into a training. I can refine this whole offer to where maybe I'm only meeting with you one time because you're watching these, these three recordings before. And then I'm just meeting with you at the end of the month. So that's how you refine your offer, optimizing the client still getting the same transformational result, but it's taking less time for you to do on your part. Yeah. And I think just from a client experience perspective, like it allows you to go deeper and provide a more customized experience to them because you're not sitting there giving them that foundational information like they consume it on their own time and then they can come to you for in the sense of a dietitian like the more customizable oh i heard this and this is what bubbled up for me you give a better experience when you can embrace that automated kind of side of things yes for sure so the next part we're going to look at as far as making capacity or making space for growth is what i like to call it is time so the number one thing too as a so entrepreneur, just give yourself the grace to have more extended timelines, especially if you're creating something new, especially if you're doing something for the first time. Like I started a weekly newsletter that had the audio podcast because I want to be accessible to everybody. Like it took me so long to figure out how to do it, like probably a full eight hours. But like, the next time I go to do it, it's not going to take that long. So it's like give yourself the grace that it's going to take longer to do something, especially if you're doing it the, doing it the first time. Try to estimate when you're like planning out your projects and your tasks, try to estimate how much it's going to take you. Always double that number. And then that's how you should plan out because that's how long it actually take you. But, and try to limit yourself to maybe three big things. I know that helps my brain a lot. Sometimes when I'm feeling overwhelmed, or I don't feel like working today because you no, know, I love what I do. I'm always feel like working. But what are the three must-dos that I have to like get accomplished today? And number Two is embracing ritual and routine in your business. So creating those weekly workload cadence. On Mondays, I do this. On Tuesdays, our call days. On Fridays, me and Rachel do content days, I think, because for these podcasts. Yeah. So it's like, for me, especially with my brain, if I set myself up for what I'm going to do the next day, I'm more likely to actually do it and not get sucked into some new idea on the internet. Feel the same way? 
Yeah, I have, when I switch to call days, Tuesdays and Thursdays as my call days, holy cow, my whole like energy for the week shifted. I'm not one for a lot of like actual like routines and stuff. I've tried atomic habits and it's just, it's very hard for me to stick to a routine. But when I force that by saying, okay, my scheduler is only available on Tuesday, Thursdays with the certain case of exceptions. It's put me in this kind of a forced routine of Monday is my ramp up time for the week, like really focus on like setting my tasks for the rest of the week. And then Friday, yeah, we're here doing content and also really does help me when I don't need to get ready. And like when Mondays and Wednesdays, I don't get ready. I just throw on yeah. clothes and come and sit in front of my crank out stuff. So yeah, I think it's really streamlined my work week and get into the flow of things. It's helped significantly. Yeah, I follow a creator called Jules Avery and she talks about her potato days. So like she has like holidays and potato days and I'm all about potato days where I don't have to get ready. So, oh, you only have to have calls on Tuesday. And then you can really start to see how it energetically affects you. Tuesdays are my call days. I do every single client I have on Tuesday. And Wednesdays, like my energy is drained. So I know, oh, I can't do that. Or... But I do get really inspired to create content on Wednesday. So that's when I do my newsletter because all the conversations that I had the next day. So I'll be able to see it's always going to be a work in progress about how you do it. Another thing I love to implement too is just like batching things and then boot up routines. So I call it building a productivity bunker when I know I really need to do like some deep work. I get my three beverages load up my oils in my diffuser, like my peppermint, get my Spotify playlist. And it's okay, now it is time to do the work. Um, and with like, I reject routine a lot. That seems like such a treat because I'm doing all these things to support myself and being productive. It's not, oh, I need to go write. I know people love morning pages, but I have not gotten good. Like I need to go write my three morning pages right now. So when you're able to look at it as like tools to support you, it just helps to like make my life a little bit. What did you call it? Boot up? Boot up? Boot up routine? Or productivity bunker? That's from the the book, The One Thing. I think I've written that book before, but it's like building your productivity bunker. Boot up routine. I also like to have a boot, it's not a boot down, but like a shutdown routine too. Especially working from home. Boot up. I thought you said boot up. Like B O O. Like I got boot up. Yeah, but home yeah. routine. And no, okay. So we're going to have a closed down routine too because I have to shut my computer, my laptop has to close, or I will just walk in the middle of the house. I'll just randomly walk and start working again. Like, what are you doing? But yes. And then the third thing for making, because we're going pretty long, got a lot of things, but making space for growth or increasing your capacity is at like your budget. And I know as a small business owner, like our budgets are very, then so one being a little discerning with your budget one of the <laughs> i think one of the most life-changing things her name is baggy patterson she sounds like it's small business boss and she said this on her podcast is like she was like i started making a like, hell of a ton more profit when i stopped investing and in, like stupid coaching programs to tell me seriously and, like, oh, i'm like could scream that from the rooftop <laughs> yes so I think one, it's just one, having a budget, 
being a little more discerning, treating your business a real business. And yes, put aside money for development and courses, templates and things. But before you invest, be a little bit more discerning about could this be better spent just getting someone to do this for me? That could be awesome. I have been on a course hiatus for, I think, the past most past year, I really haven't bought any courses. I've bought a lot of tools and templates, but no more courses because I'm just like, it was just too much information. Like I didn't have enough stuff to implement. And now my plan is like the next thing I need to implement, I've reached a point in my business where I'm just going to invest and get someone to do this for me because I've got enough on my yeah. plan going on. So it's like those resources can be reallocated to something. So just taking a moment maybe once a month and going through what your business expenses actually are and seeing, did are these things paying off? Am I getting ROI for this? Tech tools is one. I just created a tech tool spreadsheet in Notion where I listed all of my tech tools and how much I pay for them. So I get a true operating cost for wow. what my business operate. And it's a lot yeah. more. I work for myself. I don't have any employees. I don't have any overhead. Let me just tell you, accounting like my insurance and stuff like that, that's that it cost me a thousand dollars a month just to operate as a small business, whether it be software fees, and that's without any employees. So that I need to take that into account when I'm pricing my services because that is just something that's gonna get skimmed off the top of the profit right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I think that being able to put accountant role on, I think I've in a previous episode, I've talked about like the role of the employee and the role of the boss. You have to also be able to step into that like accountant. If you've been in corporate and you've submitted like an expense request and it gets like rejected, you almost need to have that energy when you are planning for growth and planning for either additional revenue and all of that. Submit that. Hey, I need to, before you invest in a course, hey, I'm submitting this as a request and then see if the budget is approved when you put your accounting hat on. And actually honor that because there's so many times that I think that like when we talked about for the beginning of this episode where you feel that push, the urgency from like the marketing tactics, and it almost makes you feel like you don't necessarily like have a choice, but like you can be smart about your investments and your areas of where you spend your money and where you spend your time too. So I think that's really important to act as an accountant sometimes in your business and sometimes reject that request. Wow, there is so much pressure. I feel like on the online space, it's like you have to invest in yourself and spend more to make more and all of that stuff. And that is simply not true. Like you do not have to invest money in coaching to get to the next level. You have it in you. Now, if you need to, and it's going to make sense, like there's definitely a coach that I want to work with for the end of the year. And that is because she is doing what I want to be doing. Like she has proven process and I'm just waiting until I have the like amount of revenue saved up in my emergency fund so that I can pull that money out and invest in that development because I have already hit fear. So yeah. Um, and the other thing is just knowing when it is time to hire and when you have capacity. So once you've optimized, once you've taken all of these things into account, you may need to make more time and space by offloading some of the things that maybe like you're not they're not your strengths or they drain your energy. That is a smart investment to be able to delegate to those if you have the proper systems and set up. Because if you do it before you have proper systems in place, then it's going to just probably cause a little more headache than it's actually worth. But the starting to be able to offload some of those 
your training can definitely help free up what's first Yeah, I think that's like the most important thing is actually having systems in place. So I will echo that, but not go on because we, this is a long episode for us. Yeah, you need to be quiet. I came prepared. I was pissed off and all these things about just do not wait. It is okay to go slow. If you take anything away from this episode, know that it is okay to go slow. It is okay to grow it gradually because that in the long run is going to be more sustainable. So with that, Preach. tune in to our next episode. We're rooting for you. One day we'll see.